And now, live from the shadow of America's mountain, this is Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. Welcome to Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today are my amazing co-hosts, Michael and Lily. Michael, how are you doing today? Heath, I'm wearing my work shirt. Why? Because today's topic is all about work, doing work. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Lily, how are you doing? Well, I don't have nearly as snazzy as an introduction as Michael does, but I am well. Thank right. you for asking. How are you, Keith? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> You're and welcome. <laughs> before we dive into today's show, let's get some housekeeping items out of the way. First and foremost, thank you to Rachel Storm and Dustin Music for the intro music playing underneath us. And indeed, God is doing a new thing. Everybody should know that by now, unless you've been living under a rock. And even if you're living there, I'm pretty sure you should know that God is doing a new thing yeah. now. Yeah, because the rocks have been crying out, so That's they right. would tell you. That's right. Yeah. You would know. You should know. And make <laughs> sure to check out rmr.live for all the latest information and updates about the show and the ministry. There is a contact us form to submit feedback, comments, suggestions, to be a guest, to recommend a guest. Heck, we don't care if you want to contact us. You can use that. If you need prayer, there are two ways for us to partner with you in prayer. The first is, of course, the prayer request form on the website, or you may write us at prayer at rmr.live. While you're on the website, be sure to check out the Linktree link with all the links to all the socials and all the fun things. And if you're watching on YouTube and Rubble, please like and subscribe because that helps us to get to where we need to be to do some better show things. That was fun to watch. Um, and make sure to follow on Facebook for additional content information that doesn't always get to make it to the website, like our latest uh, With Love Custom Crafts commercial that I posted the other day. And if you like the show and the show's content, feel led to donate, there are links to do so on the the website on the show description below and for those watching they're going to be on your screen down by lily and her chin all right let's get to it we've got another amazing show for you today we're going to continue the five-fold ministry series uh today's episode is five-fold ministry the apostles and if you like today's show we encourage you to share it with your friends your family your co-workers because sharing is caring but before we get into today's show we do have some advertisements don't we michael yeah <laughs> No, that We're was so only... thankful for our sponsors, by the way. But yeah, we do. <laughs> that was that was one hundred percent enthusiasm for those watching. Um, but you know what, Heath? I feel like you're like so practiced up and ready to talk about with love custom crafts since you especially just put a commercial on. Yeah, I did commercial the commercial for With Love Custom Crafts. So, yes, we are proud to have partnered up with my good friend Kenzie over at With Love Custom Crafts. And she is a Christian-owned small business. Her products are primarily focused towards women. The company tagline reads, creating custom quality items at affordable prices, all made with love. And, yes, they are. When you receive a package from Kenzie, there's a cute little sticker that even says made with love right there on it. And she started off doing this just kind of a way to deal with some anxiety and some stress in life and actually this is blown into a huge business, praise God. And keep in mind that Mother's Day is this coming weekend, and she has an amazing line of Mother's Day merchandise on the website. There's um, some you know, sweatshirts, t-shirts, cups, mugs, the whole nine yards. It's out there. So if you're looking for a unique Mother's Day gift, uh, which you can't customize, by the way, um, let Kenzie know, and that's at withlovecustomcrafts.com. And by the way, Kenzie has also partnered with us to do some amazing RMRR and Waymaker merch, kind of like this tumbler right here that I'm going to take a drink out of. Oh, we, oh. We, do have, we do have a merch store uh, that is about 
80% built at this point. We do have some amazing products listed out there. So we're going to be excited to announce that release sometime within the next week, week and a half. So stay tuned to either the website or the Facebook page for more information on our merch. But in the meantime, tell Kenzie at withlovecustomcrafts.com hi when you order your Mother's Day gift. All right, Michael. You know, this goes out to my mom. Hey, mom, oh. you need to get Mia a bite tag. Yes. Because <laughs> Mia is the newest addition to my mom and my dad's family, and she's fast, real fast. Like, she's tiny and fast, and she can hide really well. She needs a bite tag. She okay. does. This one's for Mia. So, Mia's a dog, Renee. right? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> yes. you never specified. <laughs> yeah. Here comes the specification. Renee and Mia, this is for RMRR and Waymaker Ministries are now partnered with Mia's brand new bite tag. Bite tag is the safest and most advanced pet tag on the market. It allows you to create a personal profile for you and your pet. I mean, Pokey really doesn't need one. He's he's pretty old and slow, you know. Mm. So yeah, yeah, he's easy um, to catch. Yeah, yeah, um, he kind of really stands out. <laughs> yes, yeah. Or rather, lays and out. You could pretty, you could <laughs> oh see him pretty goodness. well. Yeah. Well, you, you can see that him. little dog out. He. <laughs> <laughs> I call him as I see him. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. And balding, <laughs> so you can see him from pretty far away too. So when scanned, you will get a notification that your pet's tag has been scanned. It also gives the scanner the option to notify the pet's owner that the pet has been found, and the tag uses GPS tracking to notify the owner of their pet's location. All right, bike tag, come on now. Yeah, right. We're ah. still we're still debating this. That this should just be an automatic thing, not a you know. We would option. love to hear from you, Bite Tag. Please explain to us how this dog and this owner are at the mercy of this person. Right. Okay. There is no <laughs> monthly or annual service slash subscription fee. See, there you go. That's that's again. I will say it again. In a in a world of sometimes gag me with a spoon with all these codes and access codes and usernames. Bite tag doesn't do that to you. Uh, any bite and bite tag puts your privacy first. Yes. Bite tag is truly the last pet tag you, you will ever need. As an added bonus, when you use discount code RMRR15, you will get a 15% discount off purchase price. Heat. Actually, they are doing a Mother's Day special as well. Um, I, I think it's like a buy one, get one or something like that. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't have my notes in front of me, but... <laughs> the they are they are doing a special for for mother's for days. mia and pokey that's right you can get two two bite tags and use that discount code rmrr15 to save you some money off the purchase all right up next um lily's favorite commercial yes my favorite commercial finally okay so <laughs> y'all it's time for my favorite commercial that's my favorite commercial that is the redemption squad so mm. Uh, we had an outreach in what, mid April? I'm trying to remember the date. End of the 28th, uh, 29th, end of April. 28th and 29th, yes. So we had an outreach this past uh, about two weeks ago. And oh, it was so good. So we were partnered with Stratmore Methodist Church, with which is uh, Zach's, Zach Sheehan's grandmother's church. So that was really great getting family churches involved. And being partnered with them and we went out to a neighborhood that was right by the methodist church and just told people the good news and provided them with food and all we could we don't have outreach dates 
set up coming up that I'm aware of. No. But a testimony I want to share with you guys, you know, my partners and I practice discernment and receiving words of knowledge on how to pursue connections and intercession with those whom we met. And the testimony that stood out to me the most occurred at the very end of the outreach in which walking to the doorstep of this house, God told me that the family who lives here is in a cult. So he gave me that word of knowledge. And before ringing the doorbell, I warned my partners of the circumstances I could feel the people of this home were entangled in. And these people opened the door and we actually got the opportunity to pray with them and speak blessings over them. And that's what these outreaches are all about. So yeah, so good. praise the so Lord. Good. Yes, praise God for that. Mm-hmm. All right. And finally, Michael, why don't you do this one? Yeah, Valentine Cover Shoes, guys. You know the drill. Head on down. Get a fresh pair of shoes. Get ministered to. Heath. I mean, <laughs> for staples in our broadcast, all you need to do is staple it. You know? Right, and, right. and things are nice and neat. But Amy, here, here's the thing. Ladies, you want to go meet Miss Amy. Yes. And gentlemen... You want to go see Mr. Sean Blake, okay? Why? She'll probably just punch in Sean Blake because he's the pedorthist. But But they are just a dynamic duo, and they will take care of you, and they will enjoy doing it. And they're like, they have such a servant's heart, Um, and they are missional in doing what they do. They show God's uh, thorough love through really good service and attention to detail and just providing a a quality business in our community so valentine cover shoes you guys already know see the link below right valentine cover Mm -hmm. shoes where your feet find relief all right and with that let's get back into this again we stated this was the fivefold ministry series wrapping it up with the apostles topic so as you may or may not recall we started off with the prophets we went to the evangelists we did the pastors we've done the teachers and now we are at the apostles and the fivefold is talked about just for reference out of ephesians 4 11 where it says so christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists pastors and teachers now we left the apostles for the save the best for last i guess um because as the apostle it operates in all four of the other ministries and so the apostles kind of the the everybody person in that fivefold and the definition of apostle just so we can get that out of the way and get that in here as well the word apostles from the greek uh, apostolos which means the one who is sent or the one commissioned in the in the new testament there are two primary uses of the word apostle the first is specifically referring to the 12 apostles of jesus christ the second is in generically referring to other individuals who are sent out to be messengers or ambassadors of jesus and the term apostle appears more than 80 times in the new testament Hebrews 3.1, just because I want to throw out some more foundation, um, states, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So basically, Hebrews 3.1 is stating that uh, Jesus himself is an apostle and part of the cornerstone framework uh, for the the church. And then, of course, Matthew 10, 2 through 4 lists the names of the 12 disciples slash apostles of Jesus. Those, of course, being Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, Thaddeus, Simon, and, of course, Judas Iscariot. 
And one last thing, and then I'm going to let Lily jump in here. Um, from their decision to follow Jesus through crucifixion, these guys were basically in a, in discipleship with Jesus. They were being taught. They were being trained. They were they were being equipped through discipleship to basically carry out the task after Jesus' crucifixion to go out and spread the good news and establish a church. Um, and, and Jesus actually uh, had called them apostles back in Luke. I think Lily's going to talk about that. Um, but really, it wasn't fully put upon them as apostles till after uh, his resurrection. And of course, I mentioned um, that foundation thing. Of course, Revelation 21.14 says that a wall of the city i.e. New Jerusalem, had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So, of course, these guys were apostles. Their their importance um, is huge as far as what took place after the resurrection and the foundation of the church um, and spreading the, the word. And again, just Jesus being that cornerstone foundation of the church is referenced in Ephesians 2.20 saying, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So I think I'm going to hold off on some stuff and let Lily and Michael jump in. Go ahead for it, Lily. Okay. So Heath, you mentioned Apostolos is one who is sent out commissioned a messenger a mystery you know all these words relate to this term but not every mailman or evangelist is an apostle so what sets an apostle apart so one who is apostolos has received apocalypsis and that word is the greek word for revelation it's very close to apostolos it relates to the revelation of jesus christ biblically as one has received the revelation of Jesus Christ, that is the sight of him, his face, the vision of who he is, how could they not go? How could they not be sent out as apostolos? And Heath, you also brought up Matthew 10 and the list of the apostles. I want to go a little bit more into that, but my reference is going to be Luke 6, verses 13 through 16, if you guys would join me in reading this. And when day came... He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. So he called the disciples to them, to him, and named them as apostles. The disciples became apostles. Disciples do not necessarily always become apostles. Not every disciple is an apostle, but apostles must first be disciples. Apostles have the covering of Christ. They have been beckoned by Christ to come to him and receive his revelation. So Simon, whom we also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Apostles are messengers. They indeed bear the vision of the face of Christ in their memory. They have seen him. But what are they sent out to do even? Like, what are these people for? It kind of just sounds like another fancy word for an evangelist. But that's not it. That's not it. What does an apostle today look like? Is another question that I've been meditating on today. So in observing scriptures of the apostles and what they did and how they act and how they spoke, I noticed they always brought extreme loyalty to Christ. They were living and moving active reminders to us to continuously pursue such a faith to him alone, not to the apostle, not to the pastor, not to the prophet, not to the teacher or the evangelist, 
but to Christ alone. They always reminded us of his glory. And like Heath, you said this, apostles also have evangelists and prophecy and teaching and pastoral. So they're active in the other four offices. So that was another thing I was meditating on today. Like, what does that actually look like to be active in all four offices and to be a fivefold minister? And God told me, look at Peter. Who was Peter in scripture? And how did he meditate on my word? And how did he act with what I had given him? So before I go into that. Can we pause right there? Yeah, I was going to say, before I go into that. (laughs) The very fact, the very fact that the Lord, you're saying you had a, hey, Lord, show me, I need to see an example in the scripture. What does all this dynamic ministry look like? Like, show, I need scripture. Will you look at Peter? That is, that is so good. That's the voice of the Lord right there. I mean, Peter would be encouraged to hear, maybe. Maybe right. he doesn't care anymore. Maybe he's having a great time in heaven <laughs> and is like, yeah, that's the old life or whatever. I don't know. But but that's just amazing that, hey, we consider Peter. Check him out. Check out what he did. That's really good. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds like good. the Lord. That is so yeah. good. So actually, before we dive into Peter, I think I probably should have thrown this out before I handed it over to Lily, um, because she <laughs> she she actually addressed the first point in in the qualifications of actually being an apostle from looking at the scriptures from the studies I did today, um, and of course, um, you know, Paul actually was kind of the one that was all over my radar today as as I was doing. Uh, you know, research for, for this, uh, this topic, but the qualifications of an apostle are going to come out of actually four different scripture verses. So I will actually give you the qualification of scripture verse. Um, so you have an apostle has to have been a witness of the resurrected Christ. And that's going to come out of first Corinthians nine, one, um, where it says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Second qualification, you've been, they've been explicitly chosen by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus. Um, Acts 9, 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. And third qualification is having the ability to perform signs and wonders. So Acts two forty three. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place for the apostles. Also, 2 Corinthians twelve twelve. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs, wonders, and miracles. And then there was kind of a fourth one that was kept coming up in all the research and everything I was looking at with all the scriptures and things today, that there was also responsibilities that the apostles had in laying the foundation of the church. So some would argue that that, that is also a qualification for their unique position in, in, in scripture. Um, and then, of course, there were comparisons to then and now and some other things. But I think laying out those foundations, because again, Lily, Lily did mention, you know, hey, he saw, uh, Peter saw Christ, you know, bore witness to that fact. And so again, criteria one. Um, so go ahead, go ahead, run with yeah. it, run with it, run with it. <laughs> and notice, you know, it wasn't just the 12 disciples who were apostles. Paul wasn't a 12 disciple, one of the 12. No, he hated Christ while he was on earth and he persecuted his people to a, to a point where the Lord came to him in a flash of light and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right. And he saw the revelation of Jesus Christ. He received it. 
And when he received the apocalypse as the revelation, he received the apostolos. He had to be sent out. How could he not go? He was on a mission. He knew what he saw. And how could he not speak now? How could he not say and act and provoke everyone else to act? So, what do you got, Michael? How do you apostles? <laughs> no, I, I saw I saw the look on his face. He got yeah. something. What do you yeah. got? What do you got? So what's what is a what is the what is the first quote that uh, Saul says to Jesus? <laughs> what's the first thing Saul says to Jesus? Hey, that's a great question. Let me look this up. I know it's Acts nine. <laughs> okay. I got you. If you don't get it, is it Acts nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Acts nine. He says, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? Okay, how about NIV? Who are you, Lord? (laughs) Yep. So he believed pretty quickly. (laughs) His conversion was immediate. (laughs) That is the fastest conversion in the Bible. Who are you, Lord? (laughs) He's called him Lord. Yep. That's awesome. He believed. He believed immediately. He was about to learn more about who this Lord was. Now, there's, there's, there's a point, though. He may have already knew who he was because he's calling him Lord. So he knows this is God. He may be asking for the name. Could be. But this is this is an And that's why Jesus specifies. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Yeah, it's an immediate apocalypsis, as you say. <laughs> but rise and enter the city, and it shall be told you told to you what you must do. And the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Wow. And just like that, he received the revelation. Yeah, his, 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 his blinding revelation was so bright, it blinded him. Yeah. All right. That was just a slight detour. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> All Go right, ahead, continue, Lily. Lily. Hmm. So, continuing on in Acts, Ashley, on the examples of Peter and the fivefold ministry, I wanted to start with evangelism. Um, You'll see this in Acts 2, verses 23 through 24, and let's read that together. It said, Men of Israel, listen to these words. This is Peter preaching to these people who are confused and deceived and accusing the modern church, the first church of religion and um, drunkenness and just all this legalistic stuff. But Peter says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus and Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs. So there's the miracles and wonders and signs that we've been talking about. That's a qualification, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held by his power. So that is a stunning gospel message with the anointing of the evangelist. Peter just walked right into his office of the evangelist. Oh, you guys are doubting my apostleship? Let me just step over here for a second and evangelize to you and preach to you. (laughs) When the non-believers were getting lost in that religion and confusion, And all their accusations against the first church, Peter simply stated the truth of the matter, the gospel. So now, how is Peter a shepherd, a prophet, a teacher? Let's look at shepherding next. This is all three of ours, one of our favorite verses, I believe. (laughs) Everyone loves John 21. 
15 through 17. Let's flip over there. It says, Gentlemen, welcome to Bible studies with Lily. (laughs) (laughs) So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. Christ said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Peter, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Christ said, shepherd my sheep. Peter, or Christ said the third time, Simon, son of John, don't you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Christ told Peter, the shepherd of shepherds told Peter, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep again, tend my lambs. You know that I love you, Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That's what a shepherd says. That's a shepherd's statement. Okay, they are bowing down to the Godhead, saying, I love you, Lord. Well, love my people too. I'm fed by you, Lord. I'll eat your meat. Well, pass it on to my people. You're meant to feed my people too. Okay, I've given you the shepherd's mantle. So we see Peter was an evangelist. He was a shepherd. And before I move on to how he prophesied and taught, I just want to make sure that I don't just pass over you guys and not let you guys jump in with any thoughts. So, Keith, what you got? Actually, I think she's fine to continue from where I'm sitting. So, Yeah. I just want to make sure I get interaction with you guys. Yeah, no, no. You're doing good. Yeah. Okay. So how did Peter prophesy? This one actually hung me up for a bit because I was like, huh, how did Peter prophesy? But then I found in a little book he wrote called Second Peter. Huh. Who would have thought Peter wrote that? <laughs> wow. Just not me. Just, just a little Not book. me. <laughs> Thank you, Peter, for writing down your thoughts. <laughs> so y'all flip with me. Second Peter chapter 3 is where you're going to find this. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. He says, Know this first of all. That the last days, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of Christ's coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintained this, it escaped their notice, that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heaven and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Okay, here here Peter prophecies the end of the age. And though this prophecy does resemble in some way what Christ said, you know, in Matthew 24 about the end of the age and his prophecies, he says that love will turn cold because lawlessness abounds and the sun will turn black and moon turn to blood. There's a similar theme. It's rather daunting. But Peter doesn't just reiterate what Christ told him. This is a new, fresh prophecy, a revelation from God. No one had ever said before or recorded before. That's what I mean. No one had ever recorded before that the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That's a fresh word from the Lord where he wasn't only quoting what had been said to him before, but he was saying what God was telling him anew. And now for the last one, teaching. How was Peter a teacher? Well, you see, there's really three main sermons that he has, and you'll find that one towards the latter end of Acts 2, I believe. And the one I want to speak about would be in Acts 3. 
but he also preaches a lovely sermon in Acts 4. But like I said, I'm going to be in Acts 3. Let's start at verse 11. This is Peter's second sermon. And it says, While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico, I think I said that right, of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk? So a paralytic man just stood up, in case you couldn't guess that by the context. (laughs) Um, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one who Christ raised from the dead, a fact which we are witnesses. He references his apostleship here. Okay, I want you to notice that. Hold on to verse 15. Of whom we are witnesses. That's the apostleship, anointing speaking. But... Throughout this, it's woven into a teacher's sermon. Continuing in verse 16, On the basis of faith in his name is the name of Jesus, which has strengthened and strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ should suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return. Oh, it seems like he has stepped in his evangelist office for a second. Hmm. Repent, therefore, and return, that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. Moses indeed said, The Lord God shall raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed in everything he says to you. It shall be that there is soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward shall announce these days, Is you, who are the sons of the prophets, in the covenant which God made with your father, Saints Abraham. And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. So Peter preached to a crowd who was bewildered by him. He taught that it is not he, however, who they should cling to, but the man, the God whom they condemned, that they should turn towards and cling to. Pointing people not to himself, but to God, by his every word, by references to the scripture they had heard and grown up with, but also with something new, the apostolic covering, the message of the Christ, the evangelist sermon, and reference to the prophecies of old. So, lastly, what do apostles do well they do acts 4:33 with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the lord jesus and abundant grace was upon them all apostles teach they preach they prophesy they evangelize they shepherd 
They give testimony to the resurrection of Christ, which they have seen with the abundant grace upon them. So what are your guys' thoughts on all that? Yeah. Just drop us in on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, yeah. Keith, what do you got, man? You know, actually, that was that was a really great um, teaching example. Um, I I really love it when Lily Scripture dives and comes up with with things that you don't always necessarily see. Um, and and just to kind of look at one example and to see clearly, you know, not just because Jesus said he was an apostle, but here's you know here's examples to back it up of him actually acting in each office and and stepping forth and really living that out in his life that i mean that's just awesome yeah good yeah, teaching Michael. good teaching lily thank you <laughs> <laughs> it really put the fear of the lord in me putting this together i'll tell you because it was humbling to think about the apostles and honestly how little i knew about them the 12 disciples being apostles and just like their roles still how do we see that on earth is it's a rarity it's a beauty and trying to find how to teach something that seems so far beyond me i needed the lord's guidance this morning that's for sure <laughs> so he told me peter and i thank him for that and i thank him for providing me with the heart leading to each and every one of these scriptures for you guys so it's not me but it's him just like so good. Peter would say, <laughs> it's not me, it's him. <laughs> there you go. All right, Michael, yeah. what do you got? Uh, let's get to a darker, darker, I don't know. Hmm. More of a uh, come and die shade. The Lord bids us come and die. Okay. Bond servant. That's one of the things that Paul called himself. Um, you know, he, he was happy being bonded chose to be a slave to christ um jesus said to i forget his name right now the guy who picked up who's the guy lily that picked up um saul and brought him to the house so that the scales could fall off his eyes what was his name again oh my goodness yeah i i am really yeah it'd be maybe early on in next 10 but definitely around that area would it be Ananias? No, that would be Sapphira's deadly husband. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Ananias in verse 10 of chapter yep. 9. The Lord Is this Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah. No. Wait a minute. This, wait, is, is there any oh, way? Shoot. I have we have no idea here at Rocky Mountain Velvet Radio. <laughs> wow. Wait. Ananias no, and no. Sapphira. No, they died in Acts 5. Yeah, what yeah, are we yeah. thinking? No, there's no <laughs> they way. died in Acts 5. Okay. Yeah. This is a different people Ananias. Forgive us. That's people, please forgive us. That was atrocious theology there. <laughs> okay. Um, How many Ananias are there? <laughs> one. Just like there's one Judas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh. So in verse 10 of chapter 9 of Acts. The Lord came to Ananias in a vision. And Is it really? The Lord said Ananias. to him, Arise. It's a Ana Ananias. <laughs> That's right. There's apparently Arise, more than one. Go to the street. Go to the street called wow. Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. 
and he has seen in the vision a man named Ananias as well. Come in, lay his hands on him, so that he may regain his sight. So wait a minute, this wow. has to be after Ananias chapter 5. Yes, this is the next So night. either Ananias was risen from the dead, which I <laughs> doubt. <laughs> okay. Or there could just so anyway, be another dude named Ananias. <laughs> let's hope so. Let's hope so. Go with another dude named some... Ananias. Ananias, yeah. yeah Ananias, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so Ananias, not the one who was married to Sapphira. Um, what was her name? Sapphira. Ananias Sapphira. and Sapphira. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got Ladies, that right. Ladies, uh, mo- mommies and daddies, don't don't name your kids Ananias and Sapphira. Because why would you do that when you can just not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's my logic yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, Gen Z, quit it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I was Alrighty gonna have then. a son and name him Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's go let's, into let's the not Bible. Actually. Bring back some of the Bible <laughs> classics, shall we? Let's just leave them yeah. where they are. Nebuchad for short. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so Ananias is um, uh, Heath. You gotta. I gotta be honest. I forget why we even went here. Um, we were talking about something to do with the conversion of of. Uh, Saul to Paul with the scales on his eyes, and then we got sidetracked with trying to find the name. And I, I don't, I don't know either. We we had a we had a purpose. It, we were going a little darker. I know that. Oh, oh darker. Dying, dying to self. There we go. There you know, we dying, he dying told he told Ananias. Here's the point. Here's the long suffer point. If you're still here with us at Rocky Mountain Bible Radio, we just thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, we appreciate your uh, subscribership. So. Thank you. Um, but Ananias, okay, the Lord told him that um, Saul was going to learn what he had to suffer. He was going to learn, he was going to see what he, the things he had to suffer for the gospel, okay, for Jesus. So um, Jesus also says in Matthew 20, verse 20, I believe, um, he says, you know, let's just start at the top. The mother's request, this is titled, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. He's so kind. Jesus so kind. This was getting a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, is it that, what is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine, grant that one of these two sons of mine, may sit at your right, and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They called them together and said, you know that the rulers, or Jesus called them all together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. I'm going to read that again. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and 
their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man died, or just as the Son of Man did, not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the pattern of Jesus, true apostolic leadership is a service to even the servants. It's a choosing of slavehood amongst slaves. It is the anointing of an apostle may be powerful. It's not glamorous. And if people think it's glamorous, or if a person fixes him or herself in a glamorous way, maybe maybe behind the scenes it's not as glamorous. Maybe it's maybe it's just a thing they're doing. I, I don't know. But what I am trying to say, and I think what is clear here from the mouth of Jesus to James and John and their mom and to all of the boys, um, like he said at the foot washing ceremony, you know, if you guys don't do this like I do to each other and to others, you have no part with me. And um, this might have been, you know, John and James and John, um, their their lesson in that. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up that that a true apostolic anointing. And while we're here, let's address this. Um, there have been apostles, uh, more um, modern day apostles in the past, but because of um, fears or well, cessationism too it was a problem also. But but because of fears of the prophets and the apostles and and sometimes even the evangelists, you know, some of these men who were leading movements in the church, leading from behind, <laughs> leading in deep, deep service and um, empowering people to do the work of the church, the work of the evangelists, etc. Um, they did lead moves, but they wouldn't be, they, they're known in heaven as apostolic. Um, you know, the Moravians, the guy who, who started the Moravian movement, come on. If he's not apostolic, I'm, I don't know, who, you know, of an older example of a modern or modern apostleship. Um, I would say that any, any um, denomination now that at one time uh, had a couple of leaders uh, uh, pushing a move of God, uh, leading from behind, shepherding from behind a move of God, they were apostolic, whether he called themselves that or not. Um, so... Many uh, of the church, more modern church fathers, you know, like uh, Charles Finney or, um, you know, um, man, I'm losing my names right now. But uh, the starters of the Methodist church, I just went blank on their names. The brothers. Oh, goodness gracious. Looking super educated here in Rocky Mountain Revival Radio tonight. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, and, and even... Even uh, some of the leaders of the Nazarene Church, I would I would even say that, and and obviously out you know came uh, that that movement, and we'll go to AG and 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 Church of Church of God, or um, we'll go Assemblies of God, we'll go Church of God in Christ, we'll go Church of um, Church of God. So a, a lot of the Pentecostal denominations they were started by genuine apostolic leaders, um, so. 
what I'm trying to say is, for many reasons, these men would not call them that. But but any good prophet who would inquire would would hear and would see certain anointings. Um, and so I just want to make that clear that apostles um, are are around to either engage a fresh move in the church, a fresher. It's not outside of scripture. Um, and to specify, they, they could regenerate a move that's no longer happening. So, so there's an aspect and Lily, I think is going to continue in saying this and kind of talk about this, but in, in ways in more, more modern day apostles are usually reformers too. So there might be a regeneration of something going on in the church. So for example, Martin Luther, there's a lot of regeneration going around regeneration going around the time of Martin Luther. Um, yeah. So someone who is bringing the word and, and, and uh, a move of God through the word that the church desperately needs. And they are doing all the pioneer work. I also want to touch on that. A- Apostle is usually doing a pioneer work. They are starting a move of God on a pioneer level, uh, a Lewis and Clark level. They're, they're, they're going into uncharted territory in the church for their time. doesn't necessarily have to be the first for the church history, period. Um, they could also tear down an argument or a position of the church that has gone apostate or is close, needs reform, right? Uh, they, they could also tear down those uh, arguments. Sometimes that's a prophet's job, but sometimes that's an apostle's job. So John is a good example. Um, John bringing the, the book, the letter of Revelation, of the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? to the seven churches there was some reforming there was some uh a rebuking there going on so there are many examples of a um a sacrifice so an apostleship is is a sacrifice unto the lord it's a, it's a red hot sacrifice it's it is someone's blood sweat and tears un, unto death um their whole entire life is um dedicated Every moment is purposed and dedicated for the Lord's bride. They are a friend of the bridegroom. Okay. Oh man, I'm I'm needing that quote. A it is good. It is a good thing. It, it's a good thing. Like the the friend of the bridegroom, right? The best man. He just enjoys being there at the wedding. He just enjoys and cherishes watching the watching the groom and the bride recite their vows. And that, that is an apostle. Um, that it, it, and, and here's oh, the thing. Michael, too, that'd that, be John three, uh, verse 29. I believe can you read it for us. Yeah. So let me find it. I'm just going off the top of my head here. Uh, let me flip it. flip over here. Okay. Yes. John three, John the Baptist is speaking and I'm going to start in verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Verse 29. Yes. Whew, hallelujah. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And so this joy of mine has been made full. Verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that's a reference. So 
so so here's here's another thing. Here's another revelation truth for you guys, listeners and viewers. John the Baptist was apostolic. If John the Baptist made it to Pentecost, let's do a little theo- theology math. John the Baptist went made it to Pentecost. Oh boy, that would have been awesome. And Jesus wanted that. Jesus was grieved when his cousin John died and and was beheaded. Okay. It's almost it's almost as if and I've shared this with some of my friends before in the past, but it's almost as if God goes, okay, okay, Satan, you took out John the Baptist. I raise you Saul, Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> so anyway, just a little food for thought there, Bible studiers. But um, yeah, it, a, an apostle is a friend of the bridegroom. Now, we should all be friends of the bridegroom, right? We should all endeavor to be apostolic, just as we sh- Paul says, I wish you were all, I wish you could all prophesy. Well, he also said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's an, he's an apostle. Follow him as he follows Christ. There you go. We should be apostolic. But what I'm trying to say is a friend of the bridegroom is happy to hear the vows of both parties becoming one. Okay. And then also the groom and the bride are proud and glad that their best woman, their maid of honor, excuse me, and best man, the friend of the bridegroom, they're there. They're there, and they're glad they're there, and they're glad they have these special witnesses in their life. How would how else would Jesus feel about his fivefold ministers? Just imagine the fivefold ministers are the wedding party. The fivefold ministers are the best man, and and the brothers or the cousins or the best friends down down the line on the man side. The fivefold ministers for the lady side. Thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit, for this this great visual. Thank you, Lord. The fivefold minister on the lady, lady side, maid of honor, proceeding, right? So, Keith, back to you. I just I want to get your feedback off of that because that that was all Holy Spirit. That was that was some fresh Holy Spirit perspective that I'm still kind of like, wow. Um, yeah, I would have never made that connection at all, ever. I would, um, I would <laughs> not say that. I would not say that because I would because I I've thought about it kind of like that, and the scripture alludes to these things. So we'll just take, we just, we just, all we did was we just kept on going with scripture's own analogy. So, yeah, you know, I was thinking too, as you were talking that, um, you know, and and Lily mentioned this a little bit earlier too, you know, about what a, what a modern day apostle might look like, you know, Um, and, you know, I think we've given some great foundation along the way of what an apostle is, Um, you know, and there's definitely some arguments out there for the fact that there can't be such a thing, you know, now, and that to say so is, you know, just a false claim. And, you know, they, they, they quote, um, um, Oh, who is it? Paul in, in second Corinthians 11, uh, verse 13, I believe, you know, saying that there's false prophets out there and or, or false, you know, apostles and in, in that there isn't any scriptural foundation. That was another argument today for, for any kind of apostle, today and yet um i find that a disturbing thought as we've been going through talking about everything that we've laid out um in this particular teaching that for someone to think that these things can exist in this day this age this time um i think are sorely mistaken uh, because we've 
we've well established thank you holy spirit we've well okay yep we have well established on this uh on this series and and series before that the bible is is a living breathing for now thing so when it's talking about gifts of the spirit when it's talking about um discipleship when it's talking about casting out demons when it's talking about healings and miracle signs and wonders these are now things and so the fact that we have um proof that you know pastors are now thing teachers are now thing evangelists are now thing um and prophets are now thing so why why would apostles not be a now thing? If we yeah, if we he, if we if we have the other four, why why would we not have the fifth? Because Jesus gave five. And give four right. and give three, he gave five. Right. Oh. Well, and I have an encouragement to all cessationists, you know, out there. Um, God's living word, it is still living. Why would you want to put a noose on it, guys? Why would you want to put a noose on God's word? It's living, it's breathing, it's sharper, it cut through the noose anyway. It cut through the noose anyway. I mean, here's the thing. You guys in your own devotions, and you guys just retitle these things anyway. I mean, this is a this is a lead pastor. I mean, you know, you have room for bishop and stuff, but whatever. So let's not noose the word of God. Okay. Peter had some words for people like this, Heath. This is what I really wanted to get to. Okay. Yes. Um, back to Second Peter three, uh, that Lily just had us in. They will say. No, I gotta do three three. Second Peter three three. First of all, you must understand, in the last days scoffer will come, scoffing, and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming of where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, so that's one thing that some in the church would say is that after the fathers died, ever since the fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Why again do we want to noose the word of God? Not loose, noose. Put a put a hanging rope on the throat of the Bible. It is eternal. Mm. Yes. The it Bible is. is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Let's uncap, let's uncap it, guys. Let's uncap the religious caps of the Bible. Systematically, you can continue ascending in the revelation space, not new revelation. All in him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17:27. You could do that eternally. Maybe not so much in this human body. You might run out of time. But when but when you get to heaven, you're going to have a really fresh revelation, aren't you? So ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot, so they intentionally forgot, that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed. By his word, the heavens existed. And the earth was formed out of water and with water by water also the world world at that time was deluged and destroyed by the same word by god's same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men so it is by the word of god that these things are happening it is by the word of god that these men that you would denounce maintain maintain and and are sustained and are grown and find solace and comfort in Jesus as you continue to say they're not real. But yet they have these real experiences and and that are backed by the word of God. And they've had these real conversations and these real apocalypses 
where God tells them and commissions them, you weren't in on the secret. And, and the Lord does bring other servants of his to confirm these things to them. So I'm not worried about you guys saying no to these different servants that may move differently than you're used to in your camps. I'm not worried about that. Let's continue on to 2 Peter verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom of God that God gave him. He writes, there's, so there's an apostle confirming an apostle. Just wanted to put that out there too. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them. I, I'll just say this too, right there. He writes the same way in all, these, all, all his letters. Peter's saying, this man is consistent in the Lord. He's ministering out of this wisdom. He's ministering out of this revelation. His letters are consistent. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. Do not be ignorant and unstable people. Do not be unbelievers that do not acknowledge all the things that the word of God is doing on the earth and with the earth and in the people of God. (laughs) Don't be ignorant, guys. Don't be ignorant and hard to understand which ignorant and unstable don't be unstable don't be like as john the baptist and jesus say who you know who did you come out here in the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind don't be a buoy out in the ocean just being tossed back and forth by this way of thinking and that way of thinking um he i'm gonna read again he writes he writes the same way so he's saying paul is not like this paul writes the same way he's consistent In all his letters, speaking in them of these matters, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. So Peter's humble, and he says, Paul's smarter than me. Paul is really smart. Some of these things are hard to understand. And then then Peter, but Peter has discernment to, to see the people who are messing with these letters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So not only are they distorting... Paul's interpretations, gospel, um, not just interpretations because, well, he does have interpretations like his opinion on marriage. So there, there are some Paulisms in Paul's letters for sure. Okay. So his interpretations, his clear resuscitation reciting of scriptures. Okay. And, um, and Paul, uh, Peter is calling Paul's letters scripture also there too. So there is clear discernment though. Whether you under for every listener out here, Peter is backing you. If you have a hard time understanding uh, 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 Paul's letters at times, it's okay. Just have good discernment and don't be ignorant. Okay, uh, do not distort. Do not be like the unstable people who distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Hey, brothers and sisters who would distort many parts of the Bible, don't distort the Bible. Don't. Di- I don't care what we're talking about apostles, prophets. Guys, there's context. Scripture interprets scripture. If you keep on following that path, if you have a question about the Bible, it's in the Bible. Now, you may need some leadership, good leadership. One good sign that the leadership you may be asking questions has run out of the ability to answer is that if you keep on running into their own religious cap, their own denominational boundary, their own hurt from their past boundary that would stop them from being able to access Jesus with you in revelation of Jesus, right? Because one thing that Lily 
really, really well. Uh, uh, she really made a great point of saying there's such an apocalypse here with these apostles that they're able to live and move in him and have their being in such a way they're able to access the face and, and love of God. And, 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 and just like, for example, like uh, uh, Jesus to Peter, right? Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep, right? He said that over and over. That was Peter's uh, uh, re-bringing in there. And Peter did. Peter did. Peter's feeding the sheep right here. This is a really good example of Peter feeding the sheep. Teaching them. Explaining to them about Paul. Backing Paul. And being able to delineate good and evil and the discern, and, you know, discern, discernment of good and evil and the discernment of spirits there. So what I'm trying to say is this. Lily made a great point about um, how these apostles are always in the word. They're always moving in Jesus. They're always making these apostolic points that really stick. Their anointing is very sticky. It's very encouraging. It's very life-giving. It's very self-sacrificial. I am amazed and thankful to God that Peter gave us all an example. And he was he was crucified upside down. And he fulfilled what Jesus said what was going to happen. Jesus says it uh, uh, in John, you know, sometime, Peter, when you're old, they're going to stretch your hand out where you don't want to go. And he was alluding to his death. But it was, it was, it was, it was in a place in Peter's life where he was able to hear that he was going to get into the Lord and grow in the Lord to such a point that he could even hear his ending. He could hear how he was going to die. He, he, he knew that he was, where he was at and where he was going and where the Lord was going to take him. He, he was going to be able to do that and achieve that in his life for Jesus. Oh, man. The apostles leave such an example for the sake of Jesus. Their lives are a living epistle. We're reading, we're reading these kind of like one-liners and, ooh, you know, mic drop moments, right? I don't think they thought of them as that. They wanted their life to cut in on the junk going on in the church. I was, I was trying to go somewhere with that, but I have, I have well, to drop the mic myself here, okay. and let well, y'all digest. Yeah. Here, I want to, I want to jump in really quick then while you're trying, before you jump in, Lily. Um, you know, we have mentioned actually on every teaching, the last three teachings in this series, um, we've given warning about um, picking and choosing parts of the Bible to, to, you know, support a narrative or to keep people in the seats. And again, it, as you were reading this, uh, you know, the end of verse 16 here, like that jumped out at me again about, you know, distorting and misrepresenting your scriptures is going to lead to your own destruction. Like, again, that's just another warning that pops out at me like, hey, there's a reason that that we have stated multiple times over and over again to be making sure that you're in a church that is not doing these things to make sure that you are when you're being fed that little spiritual manna in your life that you're getting it from places that are actually holy spirit filled bible preaching bible teaching and not just doing it to give you a happy feel good sermon with a nice little swat on the butt as you walk out the door to encourage your week um you know that's that's churches that are not um you know, challenging you or getting in your face about things or making you uncomfortable or talking about some of the things that we've been talking about over the last, uh, what, uh, 20 
23 this is show 23 i think in uh the rmrr standalone series uh and, and so we've we've talked about this pretty much in every teaching about being sure that you're someplace that's giving you foundation and not the happy fluffy messages so yeah that scripture stood out there go ahead lily hmm. well michael a while back you mentioned reformation and the bridegroom apostles bring sanctification and reformation not for their glory but for the lord's because they are living epistles they are not just speaking the word of god they are the embodiment of it so before i make this point i want to define reformation it is the act of process or process of improving something or someone by removing or correcting faults problems etc and i asked lord what does this have to do with the bridegroom? How can I tie these things together? And he said to me, Lily, look at your favorite passage, Ephesians 5. I want to look at Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So apostles walk in this cleansing of the bride, this reformation, this constant improvement process of something or someone by removing or correcting false problems, etc. They're constantly really good. washing the body of Christ by the word of God because they are the embodiment of the word. They've received the revelation. So how could they not just keep on removing stains when something gets spots on it? When the gown of Christ's bride gets a stain, you can't let her walk down the aisle like that. You have to fix her. The apostles have seen Christ. They have seen the bridegroom. They know that he deserves the stainless and blameless bride. And they work to labor and to make her just what Christ is waiting for. So... The apostles walk in reformation. They walk in sanctification. They walk as an on-earth husband to the bridegroom, to the, to the bride of Christ. I'm sorry, slip up. They walk as an on-earth husband to the bride of Christ, loving her just as Christ loved the church, giving themselves up. Michael, you talked about coming and dying. That's the call of the apostle. It's not glamorous. It's not glamorous. They are beckoned to come and die. They walk with that sentence every day. Christ gives himself up for his bride every day. And apostles do that on earth as it is in heaven. So that's the revelation I received. And I also wanted to talk about Hebrews 3 verse 1 again because I keep on seeing different layers of that. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. I was thinking about apostles actually in the body, not just working to improve the body, actually in the body. What could they be? Maybe they look like the immune system fighting infection from the outside. Maybe mm. they look like the sinew that holds the tendons and muscles and bones together in the body. I love what you observed in Second Peter, how Peter raised up Paul. This is an apostle. You may be a little confused by his teaching. Seek the discernment. 
Don't be unstable. Don't be ignorant. Read his word in the spirit because it's a spiritual word. So why would you read it in the flesh? It's not going to get you very far. So the apostles, they are connected to one another. They're not disjointed bones. Maybe they're the tendons. Maybe they're what keeps the muscle on the bone. And I've been meditating on that while you guys have been conversing. And I just want to throw that out there. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you good. Thinking, Michael? Yeah, that's good thoughts. That's really good. That's really good thoughts. Uh, that's that is very beneficial. It, that that provides a really good word, uh, picture word, word picture to the connecting of the church. And 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 that's another great point about apostles is um, they are interdenominational. Uh, mm-hmm. They are they're able and gifted to speak to few or many groups, um, and 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 um, they're also able to in, enact with with lots of agreement to support it. Um, they're not just bossing stuff around. They're able to enact moves within the church that would take care of issues or um, would bring more unity. They're br- they're bringing a a, a problem solver thing that would that would be beneficial towards unity. Case in point is Acts six. Um, I'm going to start at uh, verse. I'll just read it. Acts six. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is how uh, the apostles needed to keep on doing something, which we're going to talk about. But they but they were also having uh, an issue within the church of food distribution. And so they were able to hire some young fellas, um, anointed young fellas, to uh, help them out and, and do some problem solving and give more opportunity when there was need. So in, in that way, they're also good disciplers, too. They're giving opportunity um, to younger or, or other, other people uh, that would suit that job well. And they're able to to give accredited authority, you know, for a need, but they're discipling at that in that way too, and uh, and and we'll see that in the text here. So, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against those of the Aramaic speaking community. So we got two different cultures, both loving Jesus and. In and amongst the gathering, there's getting some conflict and some tension because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And yes, there was a feud. But <laughs> Jews among them complained against those of the Aramaic-speaking community because their widows, the Aramaic, Aramaic widows, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us. It would not be right for us. This is an apostolic quote here. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Oh, choose, brothers, choose from seven people. Pardon me for butchering that. Verse three, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, 
Also, Philip. Okay, thank you, Lord. Also, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, okay, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Wow. So, because they were they were focused on the ministry of prayer and and the and the ministry of the word. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So they were okay. Apostles are very effective in the word and in prayer, and they are tied to these things in a way. And and they're not saying okay. It's not. In this text, I want to say what this text is not saying. It's not saying we're above this food distribution problem that has occurred. This loving the widows as Christ would love the widow, where they're not above loving the widows. In fact, they they actually brought a pretty good solution to the problem. Uh, they got some men that were full of wisdom, right? Uh, later, two of them are major evangelists, Philip and Stephen. Um, but they are tied to the word and prayer in a way... Because their anointing and their need is is a foundational move of God in the church. And we see that that the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So they are they are encouraging at a at a very servant level. They are very encouraging and very moving in the church. Um, kind of like an evangelist would would um, focus to bring in newcomers and 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 bring in new uh, evangelized people and and uh, I mean the the spirit of evangelism does a few things obviously not trying to perfectly list all the things that the spirit of evangelism does but obviously a midwife right <laughs> an evangelist is a midwife um, an evangelist is also just bringing a good spirit of evangelism to even people who may not think they need it. So like a Christian, you know, they're, they're getting refreshed and revived, you know, in the spirit of evangelism. So an apostle like an evangelist is doing a similar thing for the church. But they're in Revelation and, and in a, um, how do I word this, guys? They're in a Revelation place in the Word and in prayer and in such apocalypsis with Jesus. They're having such intimate yes, lords. <laughs> They're they're in such intimacy. They do, here in this text, they're saying, "Hey, we have to we have to stay on the intimacy thing. We have to stay in the word. We have to be in prayer." Like Jesus is like this is really important. This, this is such a building thing going on in the church right now. So we love everyone here, and so we're going to appoint with the power of the Holy Spirit these evangelists or these people, these men full of faith and wisdom to really help serve. Because we have to keep pushing here. We're not going to let Satan, you know, with this issue of dispute go on, going on, we're not going to let him distract us from, from a greater advancing, even such that priests are coming into the faith, right? So priests are coming to Jesus. Religious, Jewish religious men are finding the Lord and Savior. Why? Apparently because of revelationary teaching and these disciples anointing in in preaching and 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 so these these priests are hearing by by preaching and and, and the faith right so um hearing faith preaching that's a principle in scripture preaching hearing faith okay 
So these priests are hearing, and it came out of intimacy of prayer and in the word that these this that that um that so the word of God spread. So so is a so is a transitionary. So is like, hey, we have a so here. Let's read again what was said. But so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's actually a really good principle for for an effective apostle to to lovingly grow the church through an issue while still having this a breakthrough anointing to impact religious culture, you know, the city at large, you know, because they're they're called to bring in they're called to impact a city, a nation, a state, a county. They're kind of connected to the land because the Great Commission, right, go into all Judea and then move outwards, you know. So anyway, that and and one more quick point, religious cap. So I went over there because of that religious cap comment and, and Lily touched on that, too. Religious caps. Guys, the apostles are not capping any apostle. Maybe they ran out of revelation and their time is almost up. They ran their mission. They're about to go to heaven. Maybe that's when they religious cap something. <laughs> just, just a maybe. Hopefully not, right? But guys, they want the word. They want to stay in the word. They want to stay in an ongoing ap- apocalypsis. They want to stay in prayer and in intimacy so that with that overflow, growth and breakthrough, and also leading the church through their needs is happening. They're able to do this in power of the Holy Spirit. There's no religious cap here. They're they're getting direct orders from Jesus, direct orders, and they're obeying them. And it, and it, and it's for um, the improvement and grace and peace and, 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 and well-being for everyone in the church. Reminds me of Paul taking one for the team when he's whipped. And, and I think it's him and Silas are whipped and they're in prison. And I forget what church they're at. Maybe Lily, you can remember. But um, well, let's, this, let's I know it's towards the louder yeah. end of Acts. Yeah, yeah, but, like yeah, but let's keep going. Somewhere. Let's keep going. You keep so, going. So here, here's the reason why they do this. He takes one for the team. They didn't know that Paul was a Roman citizen. The the soldiers that that and and the the Roman hierarchy they didn't know that Paul was a Roman citizen. So now he has he's holding a legal issue against them. Why? For the benefit of the church, he took one for the team. Took the beating. Knew that he was going to be able to to hold that <laughs> that Roman citizen right against them, so that that church could be protected. That is an apostle suffering for the betterment of his flocks, his churches. Okay, Lily, what you got? Hmm. I am still meditating on the husband metaphor like yes the apostle suffers for the entire body of christ just like how the husband gives himself up daily for his wife just how christ gave himself up for the church i'm i'm so hung up on that metaphor y'all because that's a fresh revelation i got from the lord on this recording and i can't get over it go go for it dive into it preach it (laughs) seeing the actual godly representation of marriage that Christ has shown me. Because I wouldn't know what marriage is if it wasn't for my consummation and heart to God. And now 
seeing that in the light of, oh, this is who the apostles are meant to be. And we still have those on earth. They're meant to be the on-earth husbands to the bride of Christ. They're meant to give themselves up daily. And maybe they are stripped and whipped without mercy, like the, um, the scenario Michael mentioned of Paul and Silas. Or maybe it's just the sacrifice of time and effort and prophetic thought. Oh, we have to set someone else in charge because we can't take our eyes off of the word. This is, we're not above you, but we're just meant to be somewhere else. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's that type of sacrifice. But either way, apostles are consummated to the entire body of Christ, the entire bridegroom. They are, in a sense, married to the prophets and the mercy uh, showings and the givers and the evangelists and the teachers. They're constantly looking to them and instructing them. If you're an apostle, you should be in a place of instruction and exhortation, and you are looking for the bettering of the bride. And that's really just my thought on this entire subject. Apostles look for the bettering of the bride. They want to wash her by the word. They want to remove the stains and the wrinkles because they have seen Christ and they see the bride before them. They desire to bring that bride closer and closer to Christ, all of that bride, leaving no part of the body of Christ behind. They weren't going to leave the widows behind just so the rest of them could continue in the ministry. But they found a way to keep the entire body together, though his controversy and disembodiments. Nope, the apostle unites the body of Christ and brings her to Christ continuously. Wow. So those are really just all my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, twice now, uh, as Michael was talking, and then Lily, as you were talking, um, we've talked about kind of um, denying ourselves and apostles being called to to basically die and 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 I just kept hearing um you know matthew 16 24 25 in my head um you know about mm. that and and I, I I just I'm gonna go ahead and read it um just yeah. to just kind of kind of tie my thoughts into it so Jesus said to his disciples whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it matter of fact I'm gonna go further what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul and, and I think that that really sums up adequately this whole this whole point we've been talking about here in this teaching that you know, apostles are called to die like you're called to not only die for yourself but there's instances where you know we we can read in scripture where they're they're being punished and and chained in prison and and all these things because they're trying to do what what they were commanded to do which was to go out and spread the word and to talk about jesus and to to bring revelation to people who who didn't know who needed to know and, and yet they were persecuted um harshly for doing what God called them to do, what Jesus called them to do. And, and so again, as you guys were talking like that verse just kept rolling through my head. And so, um, you know, it, it, it is not, not in vain for you to sacrifice the point to lay down your life for somebody else. Um, because that's a scriptural thing too. Um, but again, it, it, 
if you're in a position, you know, especially as a, as I was thinking earlier about missionaries too, you know, going out and spreading the word and in your, in a location where it's, it's could be detrimental to your well-being, um, you're not martyred when you're, when you're being killed for Christ, there's reward for you in heaven. Um, and, and so this whole, this whole topic f- for this one has been a rough one for me because I, again, like Lily, it's like you you think you know some things and then you start doing a, a dive into the scripture and you realize that there's just a whole other layer to what these men who were called by Jesus did, the things that they suffered, the things they endured, the sacrifices they made, the the choices daily to con- to continue to press in and to to serve and be the best possible example um, of Jesus in the world after his death and resurrection, in founding churches, in going out, spreading the word, to bringing it to all all the nations, and the things that they endured, like we, it's just difficult for us to wrap our heads around. Um, and yet I'm thankful that, that we've had the Holy spirit kick in many times in this episode and kind of uh, guide us and direct us and to give us um, scriptures and to give us fresh revelation uh, so that we could, we could speak on this topic and to actually deliver um, a Holy spirit led teaching on apostles and i'm looking back over everything we've covered and um i i'm so thankful that lily you were able to join us today and and to bring your perspective into this and the revelation that god gave you and and even with you know michael's day being consumed by a lot of other things you know the the holy spirit gave him revelation um as we were doing a final meeting and prayer just before we started this teaching and in the the direction that the Holy Spirit took me today, as I was looking through this and thinking about what an apostle meant and what it was like to be one, and you know, do we do we buy into these naysayers that are saying, "Oh, we can't have that today," you know, and, and really, you know, again, just as the Bible is alive, these concepts are alive. You know, these principles, these foundations, these everything that we we've talked about today um is a is an alive is a now is a present day thing um and so i i i I don't think i can say that enough in this series that the things that we're talking about are for now today oh yeah you know in may of 2023 these are just as much relevant today as they were a couple thousand years ago go to prove your point to prove your point if we are living epistles, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just going to respond to that with, but God. Um, <laughs> no, you know? no, we're not just dead sea scrolls. We are living epistles. There I you thought go. that was funnier in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that was awesome. That was awesome. Even the dead sea scrolls were living. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah right. still speaks through the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's right. That's right. That's so good. Oh, Lily, that was a great oh point. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's um, so funny to me how not funny that was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I, so I guess I, I want to ask. Um, I, I, think we've, I think we've done a fairly 
decent job of of this topic and and bringing some justice and some light to uh the fivefold ministry and, and and i'm glad that we chose this one to kind of wrap this series up with um michael do you have any final thoughts you want to you want to add in yeah if you have a calling of god on your life no matter no matter what it is or if you know what the details are yet or where you're at in that process god loves you and he would see fit for you to serve him and it's for his bride's betterment it's not for your glory it's for the glory of god and helping the bride in the makeup chair um I was going to start saying, because the bride is ugly, but, you know, the Lord loves the bride a ton, so maybe we shouldn't say that. But, um, but no, the condition of the church today is not spotless. It is, yeah, it is not spotless, and we do, we do have wrinkles, and uh, that's scriptural. <laughs> uh, the fivefold ministers, to also conclude, to put brackets around the fivefold ministry, too, we, those who have a call in their life, they were... Out of Ephesians 4.11, they were given by Jesus. They were Jesus' idea as a gift to the church. So that, I'm going to turn it. I'm going to just turn it. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. So follow me as I follow Christ. If, if you see me serving Jesus, go ahead and follow that. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So it is for the betterment of the church. Until, and the betterment of Christ, right? If we're the body of Christ too. Wow, there's there's a something there. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature. Wow. So guys... If you're called into ministry, this is this is a job. I mean, that God's bride would become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The more you're supposed to, um, if you, if you're a five-fold minister, you are not trying to keep a job. You're trying to lose a job. You're not defending any office building office, your church building office. You're trying to fill that office. You're trying to make the church look so much like the fivefold ministers, so apostolic, so pastoral, so teachable, so uh, evangelistic, so prophetic that we're all doing works. We're all making Jesus really popular. And yeah, that's kind of my brackets on on uh, on that, Heath, on, on this whole series is like uh, the apostles are connected to all that. And, and, and so it is, it is even, it, it, an apostle loves foot washing, you know, an apostle loves what that actually means. And, and then an apostle loves discipleship and also loves doing foot washing ceremonies in that way too. Um, washing other people's feet and, and sending them out as, as disciples or sending them out as a, whatever the Lord has for them, really discipling anyone up into what the Lord would have them be, um, yeah, that's kind of my final thoughts. Is like that you're supposed if you're a fivefold minister, you're supposed to be filling your office, filling your seats. You're not supposed. <laughs> the, the retirement plan is terrible. Right. 
Well, and, and as you were talking, you know, you mentioned serving and I just, I think as kind of an encapsulating thought for, for this series and even the, the seven mountain series, because again, there's a reason we did these together, um, that we are all called to serve. Now we, mm-hmm. we're not all called to be pastors or prophets or evangelists or, you know, teachers or apostles, but we are all gifted certain gifts through the Holy Spirit. We are all called to spread the good news of the gospel. So, and, and, and as we've established as well, we're, we're called to do things as Jesus did, but better according to John 14, 12. So even if you're serving, um, and your janitorial staff, and you're serving in that capacity, then you're fulfilling what God has called you to do. If you're serving on the worship team, if you're serving in administration, you know, if you're out on the streets like Lily is often evangelizing, you know, you're serving in a way that God's called you. So I, I guess my my final thought in all this is I just want to encourage everybody, regardless of what you're called, regardless of what you're gifted, make sure that you're serving in that capacity. You know, God says, hey, it puts it on your heart. Hey, clean bathrooms and clean bathrooms like nobody's business. Do the best possible job with a smile on your face, a song in your heart, serving God, cleaning bathrooms. If he's calling you to step into a prophetic office or a, a, a pastoral office, you know, then do that with all your heart. Because again, we're called to serve. Um, and, you know, the greatest command is to love one another as Jesus did. And if you're doing that, if you're functioning in that role, you're loving everybody as you're serving, then you're not going to do wrong. And that's and that's a scriptural reference that I don't remember off the top of my head, but Holy Spirit said, hey, remind this. So I reminded this. Um, <laughs> Lily, what are your final thoughts? If you've received the revelation of Christ, freely give because you have freely received. That is nothing that you could have obtained on your own. So freely give it because it's not something you're going to lose. There is not a limit, so freely give it. Be encouraged that the bride of Christ is prophesied to be stainless and without wrinkle. You apostle who have been serving her and laying yourself down for her, be encouraged that it is prophesied. She will be stainless and without wrinkle because he who began a good work will bring it into completion until the day of Christ Jesus You apostles are not laboring in vain because you are not laboring for yourself. You are not laboring in vain. You are serving in love. And guess what? Love will never fail. So serve with the revelatory direction. Know where you're meant to be. Okay. I love that scripture that Michael brought up so much about the widows because it shows the necessity of staying in your office. Ooh. It shows the necessity of staying in your office. They weren't supposed to be the servers. They weren't necessarily supposed to be the evangelists. They were meant to be in the word, in the ministry. They knew where they were meant to be. So they appoint, but they knew someone had to fill that void as well. So they appointed someone. Apostles trust who God tells you to appoint You are not meant to be the entire body of Christ by yourself. Apostles have this divine ability that's God-given 
to appoint people and direct them and give them instruction so that each system and each organ in the body may operate so that the neurons running from your hand to your mind may communicate more directly and instantaneously so that the skeleton and the muscles may be one with each other. Okay? And this is never something to pride yourself in because we are not above one another, but you serve humbly and Christ bids you to come and die. So I just, I thank the apostles and I thank God. I thank God for the call and I thank the apostles for receiving it. And that's really my final thoughts. You know, to, to just kind of jump in and help prove your point, you know, Michael read that uh, Ephesians 4 uh, scripture to us. And, and as you were talking, I just kept hearing, you know, it's the function of these offices to build the body of Christ up, not to build Lily up, not to build Heath up, not to build Michael up, but to build the body as a whole. So Lily's right when she's saying it's not, you know, be humble. Um, you know, you're not, you're not self-serving. You are serving everyone else to equip them for works of service so that they can successfully fulfill the great commission and go out and be equipped to bring the word of Jesus out amongst um you know and I, I was hearing bill russell in my head too with the gold and silver i have none um and then i was seeing you know jesus yeah. jesus at the well with with the woman you know the water that i have you drink of this you're not gonna thirst you know and so if you're if you're chasing him if you're plugging in you're spending time in the word you're standing in your office you're, you're actually willing to stand up and say yes god I'm here, use me, let's go, you know, I'm your ride or die, and probably going to die because I'm riding with you, but I'm your ride and die, then, well, because, because <laughs> again, we, we've established that in this, in this teaching that, you know, you're, many are, many are going to lose their lives, and they, we don't say that to scare you, but I mean, historically speaking, it's there, um, but if you're doing that and you're doing it out of that place of love and service and and for your fellow man for your love of the lord and for your love of fellow man you're not going to go wrong and yes it might be tiring at times it might be you know beating you down at times but the work you're doing and and one thing we've talked about again every uh every teaching in this series is is about equipping people but also getting them in a position to secure their eternal place in the kingdom to come and and so that eternal kingdom mindset is important as you're you're pondering the things that we're putting out there for you because you know it's not our job to um you know for how you re choose to receive what we're what we're putting out it's our job just to put it out um how you choose to take it and digest it and and follow through with the lord that's that's on you guys um you know certainly if you have questions we're open to those you you can email us um use the contact form or or write us the email addresses are always in the show descriptions um you can write us and ask questions if you need help or if we said something that wasn't perfectly clear to you um you know again that's part of our job to make sure that we're teaching a clear message as well and i think through this series we've done a, a very good job of that thank you holy spirit for that because there's been times where we're like I, I, this kind of out of my wheelhouse don't know what we're talking about and then we get into it and holy spirit shows up and here we are so um 
thank you for for tuning in with us through this series and um i hope you've learned something i hope you've been encouraged uh lily why don't you uh pray us out would you yes um oh thank you lord for this time of teaching with my brothers heath and michael lord i pray right now that you just loose your revelation your apocalypsis on those to whom it is meant for those to whom is have been prepared for it thank you lord that you have gone before the beginning of the age the beginning of time and you have chosen who are to be prepared for such a gift and lord i is i speak that into those to whom it is meant right now in jesus name i pray that the revelation is unveiled for them may they see christ in the flesh if they are meant to be apostles may they know whom they serve not themselves but all else and you first, Lord. I pray that our listeners are encouraged as they listen to this, Jesus, that they are servers and they are being served. And if they are last, they shall be first. Thank you, Lord, that your kingdom of heaven is flipped, not just on its side, but on its head. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. And Lord, I just pray that to each office, let them hold it true. Oh Lord, there is no business hours. This is not nine to five work, but each office is a permanent, eternal position. Once you step in, it is not just an office, but it is your home. It is where you are meant to remain. And Lord, I pray that you give us the wisdom and the guidance into our offices. Let us know that you have prepared this place for us and you have prepared our hearts to receive it. And Lord, as the apostles are crossing offices, as they are sometimes evangelists and teachers and prophets and pastors, let them know when to be what. In Jesus' name, let them know when to feed their sheep and when to get, just give them milk, when to just evangelize to them. Let them know when to prophesy to them and when to speak of their revelation. Lord, I pray that your body moves in harmony. Unify your body. Strengthen it by this anew and the tendons. Lord, let us be one with each other. And God, make us one to you as you prayed in John 17, 17. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we don't like to uh, close out these days without giving you an opportunity to know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And if you had some fresh revelation today about your life and who Jesus is and and have some recognition that uh, there's a better way of doing things. It's not always an easier way. I can confirm that because I'm living it. It's not always easy, but it is a better way. Um, so we want to give you the opportunity to have that relationship. And basically, it's a simple prayer. And if today's the day for you that you want to get right with God, uh, we'd love to pray with you. Um, so unless you're driving, bow your heads, close your eyes, and repeat after me. Say, Dear God, Dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've sinned. sinned. But I believe, but I believe, I believe that Jesus died in my place. That Jesus died in my place. And God, you raised him from the dead. God, you raised him from the dead. So Jesus, I confess, so Jesus, Jesus Christ, I confess. You are Lord. You are Lord. Please be Lord of my life. Please be Lord of my life. Wash away my sin. Wash, Wash away, away my sin. sin. And give me the power to follow you. 
and give me the power to follow you. Amen. Amen. Now, if you said that simple prayer, we believe that you were born again. And we'd love to share in that with you. Um, and if you don't want to share it with us, that's great, but share it with somebody. Um, if you do want to share with us, though, you can write us at prayer at rmrr.live, and we'd be happy to celebrate with you and welcome you to the family. And, of course, after that, we always recommend that you make sure that you're getting yourself into a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Holy Spirit-filled church because the enemy wants nothing more than to derail you and to, to keep you from walking the path that you've chosen today. And so... Um, Get into a get into a good church, um, and if you don't have one in your area, you don't know where one is, and you can you can write me at host.heath at rmr.live, and I'd love to help you uh, find a church in your area. I would I would be honored to do that actually for you. So, with that, guys, I just want to thank each and every one of you for joining us today. As a reminder, if you liked this message and the content that we're uh, putting out, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your coworkers, your sisters, cousins, nephews, former roommate, your weird Uncle Bob, doesn't matter, because sharing is caring. And remember, guys, to check out rmr.live for all the latest information and updates about the show. Like and subscribe to the show's YouTube and Rumble pages. Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Truth, it's all, all out there. Podcast listeners, I say this every time, but I love each and every one of you. Not that we don't love the, the viewers on the YouTube and the Rumble, but podcast listeners are doing something extra for us. And so we just love each and every one of you tuning in. If you would like a comprehensive list of the providers that we are being uh, broadcast on. There are links in the description below and of course on the website uh, under the uh, show archive page. We'll take you to all the podcast links. And if you feel led to donate to this ministry uh, for any reason, anyway, there are links to do so on the website. They're going to be, of course, down below in the show description and they're going to be on your screen. And of course, all of the donations coming into the ministry are going to cover help cover the hosting fees, the software and equipment that we need. Um, we are doing some expansion as far as equipment-wise and studio-wise and things like that. So again, there are some needs for that as well as some things to kind of help us finalize the stuff with the um, uh, merchandise store. And of course, wherever the Holy Spirit directs us to give, there are opportunities uh, for... Um, you know, giving locally through Redemption Squad and and uh, the Doorbell Disciples and some other groups that are doing some stuff to uh, further the kingdom work. And so we, we do support them as well. And finally, guys, remember to get yourself into a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Holy Spirit-led church, plug into groups and discipleship opportunities, and serve in any way you can. Thank you, Lily, for joining us tonight. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hope you have a great week. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Rocky Mountain Revival Radio.